0: Hey, all right, everyone, welcome to the newest episode of Heal Thyself. I appreciate you all. Thank you for joining. Thank you for listening. Thank you for viewing. Thank you for rating, reviewing, subscribing, giving the show all the love in the world. Um, So I'm going to get in today's knowledge bomb really quick because it's so important for me to share with you all some of the things that have made me a better person in my life, some of the things that have empowered me. And to give you perspective, um, it wasn't until, so there was like, me pre 2007 and me post 2007 and in 2007 is when I had um, an expansion of my awareness and awakening, for lack of better terms. And it was within that awakening and I, and I've been open about it. It was a, a book that I read called Conversations with God, which was a really good book. But then I went into the power of now, then I got into quantum physics, but it all accumulated into this really deep understanding of how I can empower myself in any situation. And I want to share with you how I do this so you all, if you ever feel stuck or powerless, what you can do, right? And it's literally just a shift in mindset. Um, so uh, you, know, you know that I'm passionate and I'm fiery, and, but I believe everyone really deserves to know about health. And remember, health is not just the physical you, Health is so much deeper, and we we talk about that all the time, but the mindset, your connection to self, your connection to others is one of the most empowering aspects to healing and health, okay? So maybe it's going to resonate with you, but maybe it's not, but I appreciate you all for taking the time to expand expand your understanding, right? Taking the time to hear other perspectives because look, at the end of the day, I'm just someone who's talking. Uh, words that are coming out into your screen, and you're hearing them through audio. And look, they may not resonate at all. But if they do, listen to that. Because when things resonate, that means something deeper in you is trying to talk to you. When things don't resonate, maybe it's not aligned with you at the moment. But guess what? That might resonate a week later, a year later, 10 years later. All right. So look, there are no masters in this world. No one, can, no one has mastered anything. There's always room for expansion. There's always room for more love in your life. And I say love because it's been a home base, right? That's your home base. It's been my home base for many years, right? And my goal here is to empower you, right? So don't. we, we don't talk enough about mindset, and I said that, but like, love is our home base. Remember that. Why? Because it's who we are. It's who you are. It's who I am. At our, at our deepest core, our chorus of cores, we are that love, right? And we get glimpses of that. We do. We get glimpses of who we are, and it comes up, and we feel so good, and then we go, oh, it's fleeing. I need to grab that again, not understanding that you can always access that, right? So you know when you fall in love with someone, right? And you have that super exciting honeymoon phase, right? Like, oh my God, I just, I can't wait to see him or her. Oh my God, you should have heard about the date that we had. I can't stop thinking about him. I can't stop thinking about her, right? Nothing has changed, right? You didn't upgrade your operating system on emotion so you can feel more deeply. So what you're experiencing during this blissful time is your capacity to love. But imagine feeling like that every single day. Not when you're just with your new partner, but every single day, right? Because when you get down to the nitty gritty in quantum physics, right? The quantum side of things, that truth, right? That subatomic truth, that partner essentially is you. What the hell do you mean by that, Dr. G? If you can, imagine two waves, right? Both are formed and, you know, one is eight feet in front of the other. And now imagine that these waves catch their theoretical eyes at each other right? Let's personify them. Now imagine in their short timeline of existence before they come crashing down, they fall in love with each other deeply. Now understand this very fundamental truth. Both waves are part of the same ocean. So again, that love you experience in another is just you loving another version of yourself. Boom. And that's the truth. And that always has been the truth That always will be the truth. That is ancient, deep understanding, which we have always had ingrained in us, but subtly we just feel it. But what I'm submitting to you is that understanding can change your life because it changes the way you approach yourself and the way you approach your others, your relationship to yourself, your relationship to others. So with that said, then the opposite must hold truth. And it does. The more you fear, right, which is the root cause of anger. Hatred, deception, violence, insecurity. The more you fear right, another, the more you validate and recreate that experience within yourself. How empowering then it, sh- it should be that we can always choose between love and fear, right? Those are the only two human emotions that exist. In this physical world, at the very basic level, the two root human emotions that, that exist Across the board, are only love and only fear. Everything else is a derivative of those two emotions. Or shall I say energy and motion. But you want to know a beautiful truth, though? We have the power. We have the power to choose love or fear within everything we think, we say, we do. Right? And you'll be shocked. You'll be flabbergasted, right? When you begin taking account of your thoughts and your words and actions, watch right? Just watch how many of them are fear-based, right? It's not your fault though, right? It's what our parents, our teachers, our mentors, unfortunately many religions have taught us to live in fear. And those fears sponsoring our thoughts, our words, our actions, and they're perpetuated through generation, through generation, through generation. And many times it's with good intention, right? I'm not saying our parents taught us to live in fear. They taught us the way they taught us. Unfortunately, a lot of it is fear-based. I'm not saying religion taught us to live in fear, but unfortunately, a lot of it is fear-based, right? But without fear, right, we would not be protected from danger. But we are chronic fear-based operators. Our life is lived rooted in fear, and that's when it becomes pathological, not only to us, but to the collective, right? But you don't believe me, then look at the state of the world. Look at the state of the world as a whole. And tell me, tell me, everything is not rooted in fear. People are living in lack. People are living in inadequacy and fear of their fellow ocean wave. But you want to know a more beautiful truth? When you decide to choose love, it is exponential what it does for you and what it does for others. When you start thinking about thoughts rooted in joy, rooted in peace, rooted in happiness, you begin to speak your truth. When you start acting in alignment with your truth, your true nature of who you are, it's the most powerful thing in the world. I promise you this. I promise you this on everything. Ever see someone radiating? Like truly, truly radiating, right? You're so drawn to them, right? And I'm not talking about cocky, but truly confident. Right? They're smiling and they're lighting up a room. And the reason you're drawn to this is because you are seeing yourself within them. Not what you could be, but what you already are. You are that, and all it takes is a choice to be it, a choice to go against fear sponsored decisions you've made all your life. So ask yourself every single morning how can I be more love? How can I be that love that I am, and how can I give it to others? How can I choose love? right? What would love do? And here's your barometer. You feel good. Feelings are and always have been your compass. Understand your feelings. Develop a relationship with your feelings. Develop a relationship with your intuition. Those are your deep, ancient spiritual guidelines, right? When you are in love, your compass is pointing in alignment Every single time, 100 out of 100 times. This is where the magic happens. That love, that frequency will create and attract more of what you love and you want to create. And creating from a place of love is why you are here. To be that embodiment of who you are and that which is unconditional love. And to help others remember their truth within themselves, right? So God, imagine how the world would be if we stopped being so Fear based. Stop letting those fear based ideas sponsor ourselves, our thoughts, our words, our actions, because that creates a ripple effect that perpetuates throughout the world and creates a fear based world that we're living in. And that's exactly what's happening. So, literally, at any given point, you can make that choice, right? We can't escape who we are, even if we live a life only in fear. As we feel death approach, right? And it comes closer and closer. Fear-based identifications, which we live by, right? Which is job, right? Money. We need more money. We need more money to survive, right? Accumulation. Status. Well, people need to see me as the best. Accomplishments. Well, look at all these trophies that, that I had on my mantle. They don't matter, right? Because as you feel death approaching, what you remember and what you feel is your truth. And ladies and gentlemen, what I'm trying to say is this you remember exactly who you are, right? So what I'm submitting to you is remember who you are now, instead of waiting to that moment when death approaches, right? Because life is but a snap of the finger, right? I've seen 22 year olds die. I've seen 32 year olds die. I've seen 42 year olds die, everything in between. I've seen people who, uh, new new moms with an infant and a one-year-old die right? So I'm sure all of these people had their life plans. Oh, you know, I'll get to being, I'll get to growing in my mindset. I'll get to be doing all the things that I wanted to do, you know, in a few years when the kids grow up. What I'm submitting to you is do it now, right? It's fast. It ain't guaranteed. Put the ego side, put the pride aside and let the real you show. So I know it's a little bit different of a show, but I hope you're all inspired by this. Um, I, I know for sure if it is inspiring you, the world needs more of you. So spread that, spread that understanding that we can make that choice at any given time to change our thought, to change our word, to change our action, and literally feeling into that love, in literally radiating and being that love, removing that ego, removing that pride, and being you is the most beautiful thing you can do in the world. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let us get our guest on Petty. Dr. Petty is going to teach us and drop some knowledge bombs. All right, everyone, today's special guest, straight up from San Diego area, Dr. Petty. He's the man, I'll tell you why. He's a naturopathic doctor and he's specializing in integrative cardiology. I have not had anyone talking about cardiology this whole time and heart disease is the number one killer in America. So we need this man to drop the bombs. Dr. Petty, thank you for joining.
1: Thank you for having me, Dr. G. It's a blessing to be here. Yeah,
0: it's a a blessing. You, You know, I love how you bring that young energy. I know you sort of were once you had your Instagram starting up, you were doing sort of what I'm doing too. Like we were going through the supermarket and being like, this is crap. This ain't good. Yeah, Get off this. But like you have that same passion, right? Food plays a major role in our health, right? Of course. Yeah. I love that. So you are in San Diego. Yep. yep, And you work in an integrative cardiology practice. Mm -hmm. What does integrative cardiology look like first of all?
1: Well, integrative cardiology is a practice where the best of the Eastern medicine and the best of the Western medicine come together. And so when both worlds combine, I really believe that's when magic happens. And Mm -hmm. in our practice, I'm fortunate enough to work with two cardiologists, an internal medicine doctor, two other naturopathic doctors, a doctor of osteopathic medicine, as well as an acupuncturist. Mm-hmm. So we really have you know um, multiple perspectives and toolkits available at our disposal whenever we want to treat patients, and anytime we're uncertain, we have one another to count on and you know ask each other questions as to what we think is the best treatment approach. and I really believe that when we combine the best of both worlds like this, that's when we can really provide the best care for our patients.
0: Yeah, I agree, man. I, I When I started uh, and I got into my residency, I did integrative oncology Yeah, and it looked very much like the team that you just mentioned yeah. um, because we are great at what we are great at and even more, but there are things that we... Don't do mm-hmm. that. We it's it's better the synergy of a team absolutely than the individualistic approach. So I've always been I'm a huge advocate. I, you know I go on these allopathic shows and I talk about event diagram and we got to meet in the middle because that's where like the true patient healing happens. Yeah. So um, how how does then integrative cardiology? How does it approach from our side from the, the more natural stuff? What do we do for people with heart disease? This is the number one killer. How many people are dying of heart disease? A lot? A lot. Yeah, I I think it was one every 36 seconds. Someone Mm -hmm. drops dead of a heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. It is crazy. So then, what is it? Yeah, well, what does it look like? What do you, what kind of stuff are you doing for these folks?
1: Absolutely, um, it's really interesting that you asked that because my uh, mentor or my boss, the medical director of our practice, Dr. Mimi Guarneri, who's a world-renowned integrative cardiologist, started the Scripps Center of Integrative Medicine. Um, she actually leans heavily on naturopathic doctors like myself in her practice when it comes to treating these patients, because to really address cardiology and cardiovascular disease, nutrition and lifestyle factors play such a pivotal role in the success of these patients. Mm -hmm. So she does all the advanced testing, all the diagnosis, and manages all the medications. But when it comes to, you know, getting to the root cause, addressing the determinants of health, which we call the naturopathic Mm -hmm. medicine, the nutrition, the lifestyle, the social aspects of the healing process, she really kneels on the naturopathic doctors Mm. to address that. So we really come in there and teach the patients how to eat, teach the patients how to breathe, how to move, how to connect with one another, Mm. how to make sure their environment is clean, an Mm. area that I know you're very passionate about, and how to minimize stress. You know, that's a big, big factor, I really believe. Um, And, you know, we're all exposed to stress. There's nothing we could do to avoid stress, but it's about doing what we can to increase our resilience to our, to stress so that when, you know, Mm -hmm. life throws us a curveball, we bend and we don't break Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. a tree. You Mm -hmm. know, we want to be able to bend, but not break. Mm -hmm. And so by another analogy we use in our practice is to look at the patient like a tree. You know, if the branches of the tree or the fruit of the tree are bad, we don't go in there and just chop the branch off. You know, we look at, you know, at the soil what's going on at the soil level is the tree getting the nutrients the water mm-hmm. you know the love that it needs and so by you know addressing the nutrition hydration connection movement quality of air quality of environment all these factors we could really have a, you know play a huge role in the patient's overall health but specifically cardiovascular health mm-hmm. as well
0: yeah i love that we're multi-layered right it's Absolutely. not just you can't just go in and you know get a statin or um or any other medication that's really going to put a little band-band-aid on what's going on without yeah. really addressing the most important stuff. So how powerful is nutrition in the context of reversing heart disease?
1: Very powerful. I think nutrition is everything. You know, when you think about it, the average person's consuming about 2 to 3,000 pounds of food a year. Mm. That's a lot of information that the body has to process. And every bite that we put into our body is shifting our microbiome, is affecting our genetic expression. You understand all these things. Food has such a profound effect on our body. And unfortunately, I feel like out then the mis and there's a misnomer that you know, yeah, food's important, but it's not everything, but it really is everything. Food could be the greatest form of medicine, but it could also be poison, mm-hmm. so we really have to be mindful of what we're putting into our body, avoiding the sugar processed inflammatory foods, eating as much you know plant food as possible, diversity, different colors, lots of fiber, yeah. you know, because all of these things are going to have such a profound effect
0: in our physiology. Do you find plants are really? some of the most helpful things for reversing heart disease or is it, does it vary person to person or like just to get people an idea of getting started, let's say their Mm -hmm. dad has heart disease Mm -hmm. and he's eating the standard American diet. Mm -hmm. What do the viewers and listeners start right now that they can, they can help their, their, their loved one before they go into an integrative practice?
1: Right. That's a great question. And, you know, before medical school, I was a nutritionist for six years. I was a holistic nutritionist. So I really got, obsessed with the art of, you know, simplifying the nutritional aspect for people because it's fascinating This 2020 human species has evolved so much, but we're struggling so much over the most simple and important concept, which is food and nutrition. And so to answer your question, I really believe that, you know, simplifying the process, just making people understand that ideally we want to eat as much real whole food as possible. Things that our grandparents ate, things that nature and God made, not things that man made, not things that are in boxes of having a huge ingredient list. Because mm-hmm. if the ingredient list is long, chances are there's gonna be things in there that aren't good for you. And mm-hmm. if you can't recognize those things in the ingredient list, chances are it's not good for you either. Mm-hmm. So to simplify it, I really want when patients come overwhelmed, they're like, "Oh, Doctor Petty, I don't know what to eat. This is tough for me." I'm like, "Okay, if you're confused and you don't know if this is good or..." You, or if it's bad, just ask yourself, did nature make this or was it man-made? And if nature made it, chances are it's okay Mm. because, you know, it's real whole food and we want to lean on that as much as possible. Ideally, mostly plants. Mm. And at the same time, we want to make sure we're avoiding things like sugar, processed food, trans fats, artificial flavors, colors, all of those things we want to make sure to avoid. But to simplify, a simplified answer to your question would be, Whole foods as much as possible, mostly plants.
0: Yeah, love that. So there, there's the rule of thumb, you yeah. know. The, so the person goes food shopping with their dad. We go. Let's stay on the outside aisles. Mm-hmm. Go to the yeah. produce and get get all of the stuff that nature made. Yeah, and really exactly. staying away from all of the packaged food. Eliminating is the is one of the biggest things we Absolutely. see. All those inflammatory foods. You mentioned something on that list, and um, you know you mentioned movement, but so, the social aspect. You you you. you you had mentioned, and I was thinking to myself, how big does social aspect then play on healing and recovering? I love that you guys are doing that integratively, but but what do you mean by social aspect? And again, yeah, how does it? Well,
1: what I mean is that social isolation, the research has shown, suppresses your immune system. If we're isolated at home, You know, our immune system is compromised. Our physiology suffers. So it's really important to connect with others. And given what's going on in the world right now, it is a challenge, but we can still connect with our loved ones. You know, technology has advanced and, you know, allowed us to do FaceTime, different ways we can communicate with each other to stay connected, even though we're physically apart. Mm -hmm. But one line that um, Dr. Guarneri uses that I would like to take from her um, is beautifully said, um, is that the I the I in illness is isolation. Mm. The we in wellness is to get being together. Mm. So that really kind of put things into perspective for me. And I was like, wow, that's really, really powerful. And I never really understood that until the last few years when I started understanding integrative medicine, integrative cardiology a lot more and studying the research and really seeing that, you know, the power of connection is extremely profound.
0: Mm. I, I, I did a whole show on community and social connection and, and, and it's so, so important. And ironically, how the world is right now, we are, we are more isolated than ever. And you just mentioned that it suppresses your immune system, which is the, big, the biggest ironic part. Yeah. But, um, I, and, I, and I, love, I love the integrative approach um, and, and, we, and we spoke a little bit about that. So what about then in that integrative clinic, mm-hmm. I know you are all doing these different tests tests that you may not get at your traditional cardiologist. Mm -hmm. What type of tests are important to you for folks to know? So we can keep an idea and go, hey, Doc, like, you know, Dr. Petty spoke about this test and and it was really intriguing to me and I want to know what I look like.
1: Right, right. That's a great question. And, you know, I think when it comes to our practice, we like to do a lot of tests upfront because we like having data and the data allows us to really hone in on, you know, what we need to do for this patient to really create a personalized health program for them. We be, we don't really believe in shooting in the dark. And we feel like a lot of this testing allows us to understand how things are really connected mm-hmm. and to really better personalize a plan for the patient. And so... Like we spoke about, most of the patients we come in that come to our practice are cardiology patients. Mm-hmm. So we do a lot of advanced cardiovascular tests. So we go beyond just the you know basic cholesterol panel. We do a lot of advanced lipid testing. So we don't just look at cholesterol, HDL, um, LDL, triglycerides. We look at LDL particle number, how many particles there are, small dense um, LDL particles, mm-hmm. you know, um, as well as oxidative LDL. Um, homocysteine, HSCRP, all these advanced cardiovascular tests that tell us, you know, is there inflammation in the body? Mm -hmm. So we do a lot of advanced um, lipid testing, but at the same time, We do a lot of functional testing as well. So things like adrenal stress index, looking to see how the patient's cortisol curve is because cortisol has a direct effect on our cardiovascular system. Cortisol for the viewers is just a hormone that our adrenal gland, I'm sure you know, um, produces in response to stress. And cortisol is actually very detrimental for our overall physiology and our cardiovascular health. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes the blood more sticky, it increases blood pressure, it damages the brain, um, leads to um, central adiposity. So we look to see, you know, how is the patient's cortisol curve looking? And um, so that allows us to map out um, if there's any dysfunction in their um, cortisol rhythm, Mm -hmm. which can have a profound effect on their cardiovascular function. Mm -hmm. So that's one test that we do. Um, Additionally, we look at food sensitivity tests, uh, because, you know, there are some foods that we could be eating thinking it's good for us, but it's causing inflammation. Mm -hmm. So for the viewers, a food sensitivity test is different than an allergy test. An allergy test is more quick. It's IgE based, Mm -hmm. whereas a food sensitivity test is more IgG. It's more delayed. Mm -hmm. And um, the response will take a little bit longer, up to 72 hours to be elicited. And so what the test involves is taking the patient's blood, exposing it to 96 different, well, the basic one is 96 different foods. And we see how is this patient's immune system responding to these foods. Mm-hmm. And that really allows us to see, you know, is is the patient eating something that is causing inflammation in their body? Because inflammation is, is the enemy. Here. Mm-hmm. When it comes to cardiovascular health, we want to make sure we're reducing inflammation by any means necessary. And so... Food sensitivity tests are a great way for us to see our foods causing inflammation in the patient's body. And then the next two important ones uh, would have to be micronutrient tests and uh, a stool test. A micronutrient test simply is assessing the patient's micronutrient status, all their vitamins, minerals, amino acids, mm-hmm. um, also looks at heavy metals just to see um, are there micronutrients? Um that are depleted yeah. or are they in optimal range? Are there heavy metals that are high? They need to be cleared out mm-hmm. because you know, micronutrients are incredibly important for our body's defense systems and so much more. Mm-hmm. And that the micronutrients kind of connect to the stool test. Actually they're related because oftentimes we see people that come in and they're like, Oh, I've been eating a healthy diet and we do a micronutrient test and they're depleted in a lot of nutrients. It's like, mm-hmm. how's that possible? Well, Because a lot of people think, you know, it's about what you eat, but it really isn't. It's more about what you absorb. You know, you could be eating all this great food, taking all these expensive supplements, but if you don't have a healthy gut and you're not absorbing, what good is all that? So that's why we like to do the stool test. The stool test will really allow us to see, is the patient absorbing? Are they able to break down the fat and absorb the fat? Are they able to break down proteins, absorb the proteins? So this gives us a lot of good information about the structure and the integrity and the function of their gastrointestinal system. Mm -hmm. And so we like to look at that a lot and it it has a lot of more information as well. It's very, very valuable. We look at bacterial balance, the microbiome, which is an incredibly important role in human physiology. It allows us to look at... um, if there's any pathogenic growth, bag dysbiosis, mm-hmm. which also associated with the microbiome, any potential you know enzymes that could be elevated. Something we look at is beta-glucuronidase, which is if it's elevated, what happens is it prevents the body from being able to eliminate toxins very well. And eliminating toxins is one of the most important things that we need to optimize in mm-hmm. a person's um, health. And so the the those are the top four tests that I really believe. Um, we really lean on heavily. So the stress, uh, adrenal stress index, food sensitivity, micronutrient, as well as the uh, stool test. I love four. those
0: tests. I've, I've ran all of them many times and I found even outside of just you in know, oncology and everything, it's so important to get an overlook. And I love that micronutrient test. It, I know what yeah. you're talking about. It's so comprehensive and we Absolutely. have an idea about like, all right, let's see how you're eating. mm mm-hmm. Let's see uh, if you're eating enough good macronutrients and micronutrients. Yeah. But then with the stool test, we get to see, well, what are you absorbing?
1: Exactly. Because I've
0: heard that so many times. Doc, that's the best, I have the best diet you've ever seen. Yeah. Boom, in the stool test, they can't absorb fat. Yeah. They can't absorb protein. They have dysbiosis across the board. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because once you start working on that particular part of the body, the gut, then you start seeing them feel better. Even though they were getting the micronutrients and macronutrients, mm-hmm. they start feeling better because now the same food that they're eating is just giving them life. Right? Absolutely. Because they're absorbing it. And absolutely. I love that. So um, w- one thing you mentioned was the cortisol test. Now, you and I both know stress plays a major role in everything mm-hmm. across the board. We even see smaller telomeres in folks. I think actually with stress, it is the number one uh, factor for biological aging in cells. Yeah, absolutely. It's pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I think it's like nine years reduced biological age with chronic stress. What are some of your tips if you see that cortisol dysfunction? If you see cortisol super low in the morning, super high at night, what are some of the things that the the listeners can do?
1: Great, great, great question. So, you know, as a naturopathic doctor, I know you're aware that we're like detectives we're always asking the question, why? Why is this happening? Why is the cortisol high? Sure, we have to manage the cortisol and get it down if it's elevated. But at the same time, it is our obligation and our duty as naturopathic doctors to figure out why this patient's cortisol is elevated or else that's not getting to the problem's root. And so I see that a lot actually. And it's interesting because a lot of these patients that come in with elevated blood pressure, um, we look at their cortisol test and in the morning, it's really high. Like, huh, interesting. Why is their morning cortisol very high? And so yes, we could give them herbs and nutrients to bring it down, but we have to figure out why. And so based on what I've noticed is in the morning, two things could be happening to cause the cortisol to be high. First, it could be lack of oxygen at night. If the patient's not getting enough oxygen at night, the heart will have to compensate. Stress hormones will go up to make up for that. And that could cause the cortisol to be elevated in the morning. So when we see that, that's one of the first things on our radar. Is the patient getting enough oxygen at night? So a sleep study could be provide valuable information at that point to help us rule that in or rule it out. Additionally, I would look at is hypoglycemia causing the person's blood uh, cortisol to go up. Because if their reactive hypoglycemia or if their blood sugar is dropping too low at night, that could cause cortisol to go up as well. So, you know, these are two things that we need to keep in mind to make sure that if their cortisol is extremely high, you know, in the morning, what could be happening overnight? But at the same time, I've noticed patients that their cortisol tends to increase at like 5, 6 p.m., and it should be dipping. For those of you who don't know, cortisol is the highest in the morning when we wake up. And that's what wakes us up. And then it goes down at night, which allows us to fall asleep. But some people at night, it comes up early. It's coming up too early. So I oftentimes ask my patients, I'm like, what are you doing in the evening? And then some people are like, oh, I work out at 8 p.m. I take a coffee and I go work out. I'm like, okay, well, working out is stress on the body, it can cause your cortisol. What else do you do? Common answers I've heard is, oh, I leave all of my big deals. The executives always say this. I do all my big deals, you know, later on in the evening. Well, that's stress-inducing, mm-hmm. you know. So those things can all be causing the cortisol to go up as well. So it comes it comes down to, in a way, restructuring the patient's life. You know, hey, why don't you put your exercise earlier on during the day? Why don't you put those big deals on earlier on in the day so we avoid this spike, in the cortisol that we're seeing that's affecting your sleep because if cortisol is going up prematurely at night, you're not going to be able to get that quality sleep that you need at night to really calm that inflammation down because sleep is the most important anti-inflammatory thing. Mm -hmm. That quality eight, nine hours of sleep is so pivotal for our you know, ongoing health. And so it all comes down to that.
0: It's interesting that the morning, what you see in the morning has to do with eight, nine, 10 hours before what you're doing. Right. Totally. Um, so very important because a lot of us don't think like if we take that cortisol test, uh, people don't think about like, well, what's happening when I'm sleeping. They're just like, I'm waking up stressed. Yeah. Well, you know, like I'm waking up stressed maybe about my day mentally, but really it could be a, a physical thing going on. And, totally. and You mentioned like the, the loss of oxygen. So really important to make sure you're breathing. And, um, I did, a, I did a show with Dr. Stephen Lynn to speak about mm. how to increase oxygenation during sleep, especially through nose breathing. Right. A yep. lot of us mouth breathe. Yeah. Um, so I've been pretty, yeah, it's always, uh, it's been an intriguing topic for me. Um, I guess I want to switch gears because you, you really, uh, passionate, especially now about the immune system. Mm-hmm. And, um, with all that has gone on in the past few months, um, our immune system came to the forefront of everything, right? Absolutely. All of a sudden everyone's posting on the immune system.
1: Everyone's talking about the immune system. Man. Yeah. That's so true.
0: Yeah. So what are, what are some of the tips that you want to give some of us about, optimizing immune function, um, how we can protect ourselves mm-hmm. in this day and age, um, especially especially not only just now, just long term in the future?
1: Absolutely. Well, you know, I don't think there is a, a single bullet answer for this. I think the best way to support the immune system is to take a holistic approach. So obviously we got to rely on food, use food as medicine, but we got to make sure we're sleeping well. We got to make sure we're minimizing stress. We got to make sure we're grounding, connecting to the earth, connecting to nature. We got to make sure we're sleeping. We're not, we got to make sure we're not exercising too much and overdoing it because that could be counterproductive. Mm-hmm. And so all of, we got to make sure we're drinking clean water. So all of these things play an incredibly pivotal role in supporting our immune system. But the most important, I feel, is nutrition we gotta make sure we're not eating the bad foods and eating a lot of the good foods. Mm. So things like sugar suppress our immune system, alcohol suppresses our immune system, whereas plant food, fruits and vegetables support our immune system. Yep. So that's where I really like to start.
0: Yeah, and those are easy interventions, yep. right? Aside from even supplements, whole foods. Yep. Um, how big of a role then does the microbiome play with our immune system? And should we continuously be feeding our microbiome
1: too? Microbiome is everything when it comes to the immune system, I believe. I think it has an incredibly important role in our immune function and our immune support. And so I, I always have that in the back of my mind when I'm working with people, regardless of what their goals is, what is the state of their microbiome? Are they getting enough diversity with respect to their um, fiber with respect to their plant food Mm -hmm. to support that healthy microbiome because um, I'm sure you're aware but for the viewers when fiber enters the body the bacteria eats it produces short-chain fatty acids which are incredibly important for the lining of the gut Mm -hmm. and that's, there's a crosstalk that happens there with the immune system that's incredibly important. And we want to keep the immune system in a calm state. We don't want it to be hyper alert, constantly, you know, overreacting on things because that could lead to what, you know, we're seeing in a lot of these patients that are suffering. It's called um, the inflammatory cascade or cyto- cyto- cytokine sickness. I think mm-hmm. they're referring to it. So it's really important to make sure we're always doing what we can to support our microbiome by eating, you know, lots of healthy food, plants, organic, because you know, we don't want to be taking in all the herbicides mm-hmm. and pesticides and all that crap because that's destroying literally our inner microbiome, our yeah. inner garden.
0: Yeah, that's why I'm so passionate about those guys. Really, really, really important um to have diversity, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, and quality. Yeah. Right. So and, and that's why I always talk about like not all foods needs to be organic. You can get some of them not organically. Like yep. Watermelon, for example, mm-hmm. or pineapple or avocados. Um, so you can save some money doing that too. But mm-hmm. yeah, like the importance of it and optimizing our gut function as a, as a, as a predecessor to a full immune system, immune, immune strength and support. Um, okay, well, I, I haven't done this in a while, but I usually ask my guests, um, what are three of the things you want people to take home? Three of your overarching things that are important in your life that you want people to take home with them so they remember you by these three things.
1: Sounds good. I like that. But we're not talking just immune function. Everything. We're talking everything it doesn't matter right? mind,
0: body, just so personal. So, bang for buck tips. Yeah, maybe. bang for buck.
1: Sure, sure. I think the most important for me is making sure that we're sleeping well. Without adequate sleep, the brain isn't as sharp, the hunger signals are off, blood sugar balance is off, and the body is just not up to par. And back to the ASI topic, this could kind of lead into that. Unfortunately, now with technology, with screens, everyone's got a tablet, we're all attached to these devices. And before bed, mostly, we're all attached to these devices. And what happens is that the blue light that these devices are releasing, it increases our cortisol. It's another cause for our cortisol going up at night. Mm -hmm. And if cortisol is coming up at night, chances are melatonin is going down at night. And if that's happening, you're gonna have a tough time falling asleep. You're gonna have a tough time remaining asleep and tough time waking up. Mm -hmm. So one of the most important foundational things that I work on right away with people that come to see me in the practice at Pacific Pearl La Jolla is asking them, what are they doing the one hour before bed? And if they're on a screen or on a tablet or watching TV, I tell them ideally go low tech, go low tech one hour before bed, Mm. do your laundry, clean your room. Read a paper book, Mm -hmm. you know, do something low tech that one hour before bed. And if you absolutely have to use a device, you know, invest in blue light blocking glasses or on your iPhone, most of the phones now under display settings, there's something called night shift. Mm -hmm. Turn that on, it dims the light, makes it more easy on your eyes. Mm These are just ways for us to protect ourselves from blue light. So I feel like educating people on the connection and effect that blue light can have on the sleep quality is massive. So that's one thing. Low tech, one hour before bed. From there, I would say, you know, whole foods as much as possible. We already spoke about this. Not man-made food, mostly whole foods, plants mostly, diversity, eat the rainbow. That's a given. So sleep, basic nutrition... And then the next would be probably hydration for me, Mm. making sure we're getting, you know, eight to 10 cups of water at least, but it has to be clean water, filtered water, Um, not plastic bottles because, you know, there's so much research showing how damaging plastic is not only for our health, but the health of the environment. Um, So not plastic bottles, not tap water, filtered water. So quality sleep, whole foods with diversity in plants, and, and clean, filtered water. I think those are three pillars that I think we need to address in everyone before we jump to you know more sophisticated, underlying things to address.
0: I agree. You gotta get the foundation set Absolutely. before anything else happens. 100%, 100%. Thank you for all of that, man. Yeah, I'm you, the, you dropped the knowledge bombs on us and this is exactly what we needed, what we wanted. And uh, like I said, I haven't done a show in cardiology, so learning more about the heart, the number one killer in America. And the basic stuff we can do has been really mind-blowing for a lot of us. So I appreciate you, Dr. Petty. Thank you for coming thank on the show. Thank you, Dr. G for having
1: me. It's been a pleasure. I really enjoyed it.
0: All right, Dr. Petty, thank you for coming on the show. I, I hope you all love that. It's so important to keep our families healthy, keep ourselves healthy. And it really does start with the gut. It starts with the heart. And we can optimize our health just by just by giving a little bit more love to all of it. We got some awesome take-homes, awesome actionable info, and awesome for showing up like you always do. I appreciate you all.